Hey everyone, real quick, before we jump into today's episode of the podcast, do you struggle with your mindset or habits? Are you currently seeking to grow and learn about personal development? If this is you or someone you know, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram with a DM or email me at chris.mccarthy at genesis2revelations.com and I'll be more than happy to have a conversation with you to see how I can help you best. With that, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast today. We are with my good friend, Johnny Pardo, focusing on self-esteem, confidence, and mindset issues. Um, he's an author, a YouTube YouTuber, podcaster, and he's currently writing his latest self-esteem and confidence book. He's pre- previously written books of different genres. He also mentors and speaks in Toastmasters. And Johnny has been following and reading in the personal growth world for a number of years now, but through challenges in his own life, become very fixed in particular areas of self-esteem, confidence, and mindset. He loves working on this alongside of his day job in project managing. Johnny, welcome. Thank you for stopping by and giving us your time. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me on. I feel very privileged that you've asked me. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share about yourself? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think you covered a, a few points um, about me there, but just to kind of give people a little bit more of a background and who I am and my journey really a little bit. Um, so kind of growing up, I never, I, I kind of had a very sort of standard life really, sort of everyone has their ups and downs and everything. I went to university. Um, oh, by the way, if you can't tell from my accent, people listening, I, I'm from the UK. Uh, I'm not sure it's always called university in uh, America, but um, yeah, I went to university uh, and then got my first and then got my jobs after university and I continued to get jobs. But really for me, the kind of the whole personal development thing, and then, then I'll go into the confidence and self-esteem bit in a second. Um, the whole sort of personal development for me was when I was, I'm 29 now. So when I was 25 years old, I was just in the standard work meeting um and i was working project management then as well and we were very we were talking about something and i just remember being in that room and we're sort of social services or whatever working on at the time um the projects um and i remember just sitting there and thinking the whole things we're talking about were completely it was about politics and all sorts i was very very bored i was falling asleep i was just thinking i do not want to be here and i was working in the public sector for a few years and I was always on temporary contracts um, and I very much I always failed to get a permanent job which was one of my kind of challenges perhaps to my confidence a bit there but I remember just thinking what am I doing in my life I'm 25 and I'm in a meeting on something I don't really care about to try and get a permanent job just to pay the bills and hopefully get a house and then I started to think a little bit right what do I really want to do what do I really really like and then it really took me back to being a kid. And I remember I really loved to write. I really loved to write like fictional books. And I was very imaginative. And I thought, why don't I just do that again? And then I started writing and I got so much joy, even though there were some really hard times in my job. And I had a lot of kind of self-doubt and esteem issues from sort of finding some challenges in the workplace. And always, I went for a number of job interviews um, there and I managed to get rejected from about 10, I think. Uh, so that kind of, made me not feel so good but eventually I got a great job in a different business and 
I felt great. I felt over the moon and my, my confidence and steam was sky high. I felt amazing. That's why all those hadn't worked out. But when I got into that job and it's a job I work now, I love it. Love the company so much. But then I realized I'd achieved this job, got this job, this permanent job, uh, better, not just the better pay. It was about the fact I was doing something I liked and I actually felt acknowledged by the people around me uh, where I worked. But I started to have these real sort of challenges with, uh, my sort of self-esteem and belief and when everything something went wrong I really feel down about myself I really didn't like myself and some some sort of levels of self-hate which I started to reflect back where I was at university and I'd experienced them and then I decided I really wanted to push my writing a bit and I decided right I'm getting a coach and this was my first experience of coaching and that was early 2019 and then when I started speaking to my coach it completely changed my shift and I realized I actually quite like talking as well um, I will be quiet in a minute but I actually quite like talking about the things I'm interested in and it's something when I talk to people they usually kind of relate to what I'm saying and they'll start to think a bit more what am I really into oh I'm into coaching and so I started going down a path of a coaching qualification and a life, doing a bit of life coaching with people with people with people for free at first but then I got really into it um, but even then I was finding those two years, I was having these ups and downs and I'd, I'd kind of wash it away by going out the weekends and drinking. I'm quite a healthy person, but at the weekends I drink quite heavily and the next day I feel great, but then I sort of feel really down the next day, which I know everyone feels like, but it was kind of very up and down. And then I got to a point where my self-esteem got so low that I thought, this is ridiculous. I've got a lot of good things in my life. I need to change this. And I knew I wasn't alone with this struggle. I, I knew that there's people close to me and there's people I've seen have these struggles of confidence or self-esteem. And I thought, I really need to work at this. I'm determined to work at this. So I did everything from the personal development world that I'd been reading on to think, how can I feel as good as possible? And I believe if more, more of us had more self-esteem, then there'd be a lot less hate in the world because people attack other people because they're not feeling good themselves. So I thought, I'm going to make myself feel as good as possible. And some people might perceive that as selfish, but actually my belief now is that it'd be selfish not to because by creating the best possible version of me feeling great, I'm able to help other people. So that's kind of a, a long story in terms of how I got into the self-esteem and confidence, but I practice it every day and people now say, God, you appear very charismatic when I'm talking Toastmasters or at work. I'm just like, that's because I'm doing training every single day to make myself like that. And I really, really love life now. And I love all the people that come into my life, all these groups. So yeah, that that's kind of a bit of my story really, Chris. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks for sharing. I love it. And going on to the whole confidence, self-esteem issue, I learned that at a very early age with my, my mother. She, uh, I was actually going for a job interview at the age of like 15 and a half, something like that. And I was really nervous about the interview. It was because it was going to be like my first real job, my summer job. And I remember my mom telling me, she goes, why are you so nervous? And I was like, well, this guy owns the company. Like he's interviewing me to, to be an employee. And she goes, you know, he goes to the bathroom and drops his pants and takes a shit just like you do. <laughs> And after that, I was just like, oh, well, 
you know, I'm not going to put anybody above me or beneath me. Everyone's equal. And at that point, it gave me a lot more confidence and self-esteem to just go and talk to this person like if he was a normal person. Yeah, he's the owner of a company, but he has just as many problems and or, you know, happy things that happen to him as we do. So that really kind of put me on a level of equality with everyone. And so learning, I think learning that at an early age really helped me with my self-esteem confidence issues. Um, so let, let's dive into a little bit more. You, you say you've written some books, you're an author. Now for me, <laughs> growing up as a kid, I hated books. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't like to read. It was boring to me. I hated English class. Like everything about reading and writing, I hated it, I despised it. I was a math science whiz. Like that was my area of expertise. And as I got older, now I read all the time and I actually want to write a book and things. And it's like so, so weird how your mind shifts. But for someone who grew up liking reading and writing and stuff like that, what are some things that kind of come with confidence and self-esteem into your writing? And then what are some other things that kind of make you when you write, it, you, you bring out of you? Yeah, that's a really great question, actually. Um, I'd just like to add, actually, interesting. When I was younger, I was, I, I love maths. I really love maths, too. It's my favourite subject, actually. Um, but it's interesting at school, um, I was very creative. So that's kind of what you were saying of it, the opposite. I was very like, I like to write stories and I was very good at that. I wasn't actually, believe it or not, a very good reader for quite a few years in primary school. It probably wasn't, um, I read and, you know, passed my exams and stuff like that, but I wasn't a big reader until probably uh, after university, really. Um, and university, I didn't read things properly. But, yeah, I used to get really into writing my story, so I've always had that creative imagination. Um, I'd much rather, if I was a kid who loved watching the movies or playing the PlayStation rather than reading the books, but when I was writing a book, I was like, yeah, I'm writing something. <laughs> um, so... Um, so what kind of comes with it? Um, one, one thing, just, and obviously correct me if I'm not answering the question at any point, but um, one thing that sort of comes with it is I can express a level of authenticity um, and that, that kind of helps your self-esteem. Um, and actually, and there's also another point I was having with um, someone around their confidence on actually writing a book the other day as well, which is interesting. I'll make a point in a minute. But I find self-esteem... Um, when I'm able to be more authentic and express stuff, then I feel good about myself. And there's always going to be that nerve and fear of people going to read it. But my latest book, it reveals like everything, almost everything about me, every single insecurity. So I've just been sharing it on social media. But when I've been sharing it like recently, you get that extra level of respect for yourself that you're releasing it. You've got the bravery. There's, there's always the chance that someone might come and criticize you or say something that hurts you. But that's very rare. I find in my experience from sort of when I write stuff in blogs and things like that, I find most people support it and very like respect it. So I think like authenticity, is something you can find if you, if you feel free to express yourself and for people who might, you know, struggle to share things, I'd say maybe just start small, just start, you know, smaller things at a time to build that kind of confidence to get a bit higher in terms of sharing things. So whether that is a book or writing something. The, then there's the other level of kind of, oh, is it going to be good enough? Is, is the book going to be good enough? And um, are people going to like what I've written? 
Um, I've always gone with the approach of my first draft. I heard a quote once, and it's a great quote. Um, Every first draft is rubbish, basically, someone said. Um, How true, that's not what I've always gone by that, in that just get the words onto the paper, and then you can work on it then. And the problem is, with a lot of it, with writing, is perfection, uh, whether perfection exists or not, uh, everyone's debating, but people always got this, make up this idea of perfection in their head. And it's like, right, this, this has got to be amazing. This has got to be amazing. Whilst I'm just like, no, I want to write this book. It's not, um, I understand I'm not going to be, it's not going to be the best thing ever, but I'll get the first time I get it down, but I'm going to work on it, revise it, revise it. So those are probably a couple of the things um, I can touch on in terms of the conf- the kind of the authenticity or mixing my words up there, authenticity that comes out of it. And then it's about that barrier um, of not worrying about it too much. And then obviously building up little bit by bit in terms of what you can share with people. So it's interesting that you talked to, there's two things I want to, I want to touch on in there. The first one is you talking about perfection. Now I've actually did a podcast episode where I defined the word perfection and I brought it up again. It says, the condition, state, or quality of being free or as free as possible from all flaws or defects. Even the definition of perfection is not perfect because it says as free as possible. I always, that always blows my mind that people still strive for perfection when even the definition is not perfect. And so I, I had to bring that one up because I heard that word in there. And then on, on a second note with the... Um, you know, worrying about if anybody's going to, you know, make, you know, make mean comments or, or have negative feedback and things. It's always going to happen. You could say, you know, you could stand on the sign or on the, on the sign, stand on the street with a sign that says free hugs and somebody's going to give you a negative feedback on it. You know, they're going to, they're going to call you stupid or hippie or something. Those aren't bad terms. I'm just saying they're going to use those in a way to kind of bring you down. I did a question the other day in a group. And all it was, was if, if you could spend the day with somebody from history, dead or alive, who would it be? And I got so many responses from this, positive responses. And one of the main people was Jesus. Now, I asked everybody who didn't put a reason why they would choose that person. And I kept asking why, why? Interesting, why? Somebody came back and attacked me saying, why are you only asking the people who say Jesus? And I was like, are you, like, are you for real right now? Like, if you read all the comments, you would obviously see that I'm asking every single person, not just the people that said Jesus. And this brings me to my next question, which when somebody is dealing with something like that, being, you know, it, it does go on a self-esteem issue. You could put something out and you get a hundred positive comments, but you get one negative comment. And then that person takes that one negative comment and focuses on it so hard that it may keep them from moving forward. What do you tell that person to do as a way to help with their self-esteem, help with their confidence? Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's not a thing. So many people have had that. And not when I've coached people, and even when I've just, you know, talked to people about coaching, um, I've had that so much. Um, I think I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they were saying, oh, I know, I know intellectually, you know, I've, I've got all these good things and I've done all these good things. But when uh, one bad thing happens in my life, I'm just focusing on that. I just can't stop it. 
Um, so I've actually, I've been on a recent workshop, um, which was on um, spiritual psychology, and it goes a bit into the subconscious. Uh, so that was quite interesting. And that basically, intellectually, you can sometimes know things logically. You can see, yeah, there are these great things. But if, you're, if your subconscious has got all these negative beliefs and it's programmed that way, you're always going to come back to the default thinking. So it's kind of your, um, I know it's sort of going a bit away, but it's always, so you've got to you basically have to reprogram the subconscious so then you can come to a more positive state. Now, there's always going to be negatives, like you said, and when there's that one negative comment from the hundred comments, uh, pos- hundred positive comments. So in terms of that, you can, you can tell that person, you can give them some advice and just say, right, okay, think of all these positive, but it's really, it's what I suggest is give them, give them consistent practice. So for the self-esteem, I always treat it like a bit of a muscle. It's something you've got to consistently do because life, unfortunately, is going to throw some bad things at you. And there might just be the one negative comment, but there also might be something a bit more dramatic, like you might be in a relationship and there's a breakup or there might be, you might lose your job or something. Obviously that's happened to quite a lot of people, unfortunately, recently. Um, I've, I've been fortunate not to be in that and I'm very grateful, but um, there can be a lot of bad things in life and you can focus on, and the brain does that. It focuses on all the negatives. It's trained to do that, to keep us alive. It's the limbic part of the brain rather than the rational. And there's a great book, uh, The Chimp Paradox, written by Dr. Steve Peters. I don't know if you've come across that one. Um, but it's, it basically talks about You've got your survival part of your brain, the limbic part is um, there for survival and it's got all these negative things. But then you've got your human part, which is a lot weaker, um, not weaker, but like kind of not as strong as a chimp, even though it's logical. And if you if you're trying to override the human part, trust override the chimp in the battle, the chimp will always win uh, because it's stronger. But managing it's how you do it. So it's about how you manage it. So someone who's focusing on the negative as opposed to the positive, I would suggest to them that they just need to keep consistently embedding, brainwashing themselves with all the positive stuff they've done in their life. Listen to those comments, listen to the stuff, think about the things they've done, journal it every day, maybe write down five great things they've done in their life, five great things about them, tell themselves they love them in the mirror. I've got a mental morning routine and evening routine because I brainwashed the life out of myself to try and get good self-esteem and then it doesn't happen overnight so i'd give that advice to the person to just brainwash themselves with all this positivity and i'd, I'd also add as a second point it won't it's not always an it's not an overnight thing they're not going to immediately go oh i've got good self-esteem now it takes consistent work where you we don't always see instant results so that'd be my advice on that one try and for them to try and brainwash themselves as I'm terming it with as much positivity they love about themselves as possible. It's funny you say brainwashing because I literally just did a podcast episode the other day <laughs> about brainwashing and it and it goes along the lines of talking about how we see it as such a negative thing but it's actually can be used for positive things too and one of the positive ways to brainwash yourself is those affirmations to boost your self-confidence to boost your self-esteem um, because affirmations is that that self-esteem booster that a lot of people are missing. I know a lot of people don't, that don't even know about what affirmations are. And so I, 
I like that you, you talk about the brainwashing because a lot of people will hear that from you right now. And I know instantly their mind is going to be like, oh, brainwashing, that's, that's mind control. That's, you know, negativity. That's, and that's the thing, negativity attracts. That's why we're so attracted to negative things because of the whole, the, the chimp brain, the, the, the nature, the, the, what we're born with as our primitive brain is fear keeps us alive. Fear is what keeps us, you know, going and, and gets us out of danger. And so, but the, right. the way people think nowadays, there's so much illogical fear that we let that overtake most of the problems. And then we don't use that logical part of our brain. Um, so I, I like how you touched on that. That was really good. And then taking into account with the whole uh, brainwashing and self-esteem boosting and everything, how does this correlate when you do project managing? Because that's your job as of right now, besides the coaching. I'm curious, how do you incorporate that into your work? Because I know a lot of people will look at things that they're doing and want to use it in their work to help boost their work productivity, you know, get better results, things like that. And it doesn't even have to be that they're a project manager. Maybe they're a sales coach or maybe they're, you know, they're in real estate or something. And, and being able to make that gap between mindset, self-esteem boost to whatever work you're doing to improve, what kind of tips and things could you give and how does it incorporate in your job with project managing? Yeah, though, no, I, so I've been a, uh, I've been in sort of projects and change management since uh, 2014. So was I was 23 or something. Yeah, 22, no, 23, I think. Um, so cool. that's like six years now. And I started off as assistant. Now I'm sort of a PMO analyst, sort of take on the role of PMO manager. PMO stands for project management um, office. So kind of you coordinate all the projects and change. And well, work. so I'd really, I'd find it really interesting. Um, the last place I worked in was in the public sector and it was, it was a bit more challenging people there. It was a bigger organization and you'd have some quite challenging, I, there's some very lovely individuals and I had some good friends there, but there are also some very challenging people there, a uh, couple I worked for. But, um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, it'd be interesting how I put, put it into practice in, uh, in the public sector now. I think I'd do well, but I'd probably have to grit my teeth a little bit sometimes. Now, project management, I've always been, I've, I'm quite a people person, so I've always, I've always got on with people and kind of, try to be very I've always had quite a level of empathy and sort of understanding so I've asked people for things I've always been like very nice and sort of understood where they're coming from and actually uh, even when I didn't have much confidence I found that worked quite well um, because people when you're like hearing people and listening to people and like understanding where they're coming from they they don't tend to react badly they tend to be like oh okay and when I made a mistake I'd be like all right I'm really I didn't you know, make too many, but when I'd make one, I'm human, I'm allowed to make mistakes, but I'd be like, okay, I'll be like, yeah, I'm really sorry. And then I remember a manager going on at me and then she saw I was genuinely sorry. And she was like, I, she'd go, okay, this is what we're going to do. And like very calm. So I've always been quite a people person. So I think that's quite important. But then I was having a conversation with someone at work the other day and they're saying the best project managers are just like ruthless at people, like kind of just go at them and like, just don't take that level of empathy away and kind of just tell them what to do. And I think there's different, different styles, but I don't think you need to necessarily be like that in project management. 
I think um, before I was so much of a people pleaser because that was some of my self-esteem challenges. And when I did some deep diving, I sort of understood why I was a people pleaser from very young childhood age. Um, but when I, um, when I started to like take away the outcome, start asking people a bit more direct, but in a nice way, not like do this, but kind of like, oh, can you do that rather than worrying what they think? I found that really, really helped. So I find kind of taking self-esteem into, or confidence into kind of project management, it's really important to still have that level of empathy and sort of get a win-win relationship where possible, because you're going to be working with those people and you don't feel good when you get into a negative relationship with someone. Um, well, I don't personally, I don't know, most people admit they don't like negative relationships. Um, so I think that's, that's still important, but it's important to be heard and sort of say your points. Now for me, I, I, I chair a lot of meetings. I run a lot of meetings. So I have to talk quite a lot and I do company presentations and stuff like that, which I really, really enjoyed. But like at the age of 23, when I came into project management, even to say my name, I'd go red and like hide. Just, they say, what's your name? John, I'd be like, I'm just taking the notes. But now I just like sit in front of a group of people and I'm like, you know, tell them, you know, what they're doing, give them an update. And then like someone will say, oh, I think I'll get that done. And I'll say, thank you. I always say thank you and appreciate people. But I think it's really important to how I take it in is like being able to understand that now and then someone might disagree with me and that's fine. Uh, well, work currently, they say it appropriately as well, but you won't always get that in life, but I'm lucky I do. Um, and also trying to understand them, but also not shying away from my point, which was something I had to train up until about a year ago. I'd like hide away what I wanted to present. So, yeah, I'd say the win-win's really important. See where they're coming from, but also present your point. And don't be afraid to sort of come out of the comfort zone a little bit, bit by bit. So for me in project management, if you're scared of doing a big presentation, just do little by little and then just work yourself up from there. Awesome. Yeah. It's funny that you talk about, you know, in the beginning you're scared and you don't want to even say your name. I I think that's also one of those things where it's, it's a muscle. You have to build up that confidence in just public speaking even too. And I, I know at an early age, I wasn't somebody who wanted, even though I'm very outgoing and, and a people person, even to just talk in front of people is hard. And then once you learn that everyone has that fear, I mean, you can use the trick of thinking everyone's naked or in their underwear and it makes it easier, <laughs> but I don't do that. The, the I've thing never is, done is, that either, <laughs> actually. The, the thing is, is just realize that everyone is human and more than likely they're probably not thinking the worst of you unless they actually just don't like you and you probably know who those people are. But the point is, is like, most people are terrified to, to stand in front of people and speak. So if you're able to at least just get up there and start speaking, you're probably in that higher per, or in that upper percentage of people who actually take that step forward and have that confidence. So, you know, I, I, I think it's awesome that you um, are sharing all this with us. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, I want to ask you a question because I asked this question on Facebook and I want to get your input on it. It was the question I asked earlier. If you could spend the day with anybody in history that, was a, that has been in, they're either dead or alive, doesn't matter who it is, who would it be and why? Uh, 
That's a really good question. There's, I, I think, I think it'd be someone who's alive to be honest right now. Um, well, I mean, if they're dead, they'll obviously be alive for the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. I understand <laughs> that, but I, I, I think kind of all the great people I admire are sort of alive now. Um, there's obviously been great people in the past as well. Just that's a really, I love that question. I'm just trying to think because actually, funnily enough, I um I was fortunate enough to get on a live with Gabby Bernstein, and she's one of my heroes the other day. So that was a great experience. I was just thinking of that. I think. I know this is probably a very cliche answer, but I think it'd probably have to be Tony Robbins. Um, very common one. Just, I, just, I mean, I signed up for the Unleash the Power Within for the first time, and then obviously that's been postponed and will probably be postponed again in the UK this year. Um, it's due in October. But I just, I've just seen, you know, his YouTube videos. Every time he speaks, I'm just like, you're almost like warped into what he's saying. It's like a different language. And then, I just like to meet him in person and just like feel that energy that everyone says and how he kind of can transform person can transform a person. I just think I don't know I don't know how to describe it. He's just like amazing. He's just like um just every word he says and the energy and his like passion for life. I just think if I was in his presence, I just think that my I just get so many breakthroughs. I'll probably get I'll probably like get about 20 breakthroughs in about a minute or something just speaking to him so i think i think it'd have to be tony robbins what what, yeah, what mean, do you say chris out of he is he is a tall stature of a man like he's tall to begin with and then just his deep voice he just radiates confidence like if you listen to him in anything he does you know he's just so confident in everything what were you asking me who i would pick yeah, yeah, I'm just interested who, who you would say. <laughs> so, um, oddly enough, mine would be Marcus Aurelius um, because I like his teachings with the meditations and stoicism and things like Like, I'm a, vi- I'm a very firm practicer of stoicism. Um, it's, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you react and how you, you know, take the situation and being as somebody who's been through some of the situations that I have been in my life. Um, I've always been somebody who practices that pretty regularly. Now I am human. I do fall into emotional traps and other things. And, and I have to shift myself from times from a suffering state to a beautiful state and really get back to understanding that what happened to me wasn't because I'm a stupid person or that I'm a horrible human. Like it, it happened because it happened. Like there's no rhyme or reason. Most of the time, a lot of events happen in your life because that was just meant to happen or that it's just a random freak accident. You know, like, you know, we got in an accident the other day and it just happened. You know, it's not because, we were looking for it, you know, things happen in your life and you have to accept that, learn from it and move forward. Um, and, and don't portray yourself to be a victim of circumstance. That's my reasoning behind wanting to meet him because man, some of the stuff he wrote is just amazing and, uh, I love it. So, so you have any other questions for me on that? No, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pick up what you said on um, acceptance. I thought that was that was yeah, completely agree with that. I think um, that also links to sort of self-esteem when you can't accept a situation or you're lying to yourself. That can do real big damages. I I was a lot like that in the past, um, and just ignore things. And yeah, I I think what you're saying about acceptance is really really true. So I was just gonna say that one. Yeah, yeah, it, it's funny. I've met a lot of people who. Um, have talked to me in person or over zoom and things like this. And, 
And they asked me, they're like, well, how, how are you so confident? Because I've seen that you have people that write negative things. Like I've gotten negative comments on YouTube. I've got negative comments on my podcast. I, I've had people say negative things to my face. And I kind of like taking the Gary Vee approach where I'm like, I just, I don't give a fuck. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, 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 I like to look into that person. When I get a negative uh, response, I take it as a little bit of a feedback. And I don't take it as a negative way of like, I'm stupid or I should quit, things like that. I take it and I look and I go, okay, did I fail this person? Did I not present something good enough for them? And if so, how did I mess up? And I'll look into the person and see what their circumstances, you know, where they live, um, who their parents were, if their dad left them, if their mom died, like things like that. I will look into a person and it's not because I, I, I'm obsessing over this comment. It's because I want to better understand people. I want to better understand all walks of life. Now, I know you can't please everyone. There's no way in the world you're able to going to please everyone because if you try to please everyone, you're going to please no one. And so... The, the thing is, is when I look into these people, I use that as feedback to go, okay, I understand they're coming from a place of hurt, or I understand they're coming from a different perspective because of the way they were brought up or whatever other reason for their comment, because it's not always that they're trying to, to bring you down in per se. They may just be lashing out because they're hurting. And it just so happened that whatever you were talking about touched a subject with them. And so that's, that's a self-esteem confidence issue with them and not you. So that's a good way for yourself to realize that it's not your self-esteem that you should be beating up and you shouldn't be beating up anybody else's, but you should understand that it's coming from that person's self-esteem and not yours. Yeah, absolutely. So last, last question I want to ask you, um, cause you talked about rejection and rejection is a big part of self-esteem because we're gonna get rejected. It's part of life. It's, it's one of the many things that have a yin and yang. There's acceptance, there's rejection. And you know, uh, for somebody, whether it be relationship or business or school or friends or whatever, what do you feel is the best way to handle rejection? Yeah, re rejection is a good one. I'm trying to think from my kind of, <clears throat> own own personal experience and i think it um but then also i'm trying i always try and think how you know it other people's experiences relate as well because we've all had we've all had like rejection in different forms there's nobody who've gone through life without rejection um so so for me um i i i went i talked about the the kind of like the job interviews i think i went through yeah about 10 in, in the public sector where I'd be like the lot I'm sometimes I was in the last two and I got actually, but actually there's a lot I take away from it. I got quite good at job interviews at a point. I got quite, I quite liked them actually to a point I go in and then I just be like thinking about how I can present myself and ask the best questions and things like that. But for me, when I just kept thinking, right, I'm going to get this job. I finally have the permanent job here and I wanted a permanent job so I can get a house and a mortgage. But I'm just so glad how the way my life's back to like, wow, I don't, I've got an even better flat and I don't own it. I rent it. I live in a great city, great job. But for me, um, I, I'd get really, you know, really hacked off, quite frankly. I'd get really angry and then I'd get really, I'd, I'd go from anger and then I'd go to being really upset on 
what's wrong with me? Why don't people, why don't they want to give me jobs? I'm hopeless. I'm useless. And this is kind of the self-talk I give me, give myself. So I think it's, first of all, what you were talking about on acceptance is, is quite good. Um, but first of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss the negative emotions. I wouldn't like go, get out, get out, get out, get out to the negative emotions. Um, when I experience negative emotions now, I like to feel them and understand them a little bit. So maybe writing it down and thinking, right, I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? And then like even go a bit, a few like levels deeper, kind of understanding, you know, the root cause. And then it might be down to a belief that I'm not enough and then really understanding it. And then think, and then I start to think about, okay, why is that not true? Because your brain always play, play situations out of proportions. Uh, because again, it's, that's a negative part of it. It's just trying to, you know, keep you alive, but that's how it works. So first, I think it's quite important to understand and get through the thinking. Don't dismiss it. Don't be like, I want to be in a great mood, but uh, just kind of working through it. And then there's about a level of accepting, accepting that it's happened and understanding that. So whether that's the whether that's a relationship breakup, whether that's being rejected from a date, whether that's being uh, not getting the job um, or anything like, or anything like that, whether that was, well, it could be anything in life. There's numerous examples. So then there's the acceptance and then there's, and then there's understanding actually what you can do going forward. So what you're in control of, what, you know, what can I apply for now? What can I do to feel good about myself? Um, and another key tip I'd say is people, there's often a tendency for people to focus on things they can't control, as you were, you were kind of touching on a little bit, rather than the things they can control. So if, if we go on to relationships, for example, you can't control another person. You can be yourself. You can be a good influence. You can be, you know, a loving person. But if the other person doesn't feel the same about you, you can't control that at the end of the day. The same with the job. If um, you can go for the job, you can be yourself, say what you've done, present yourself as best as possible. But if they don't give you the job, you can't control that. They just have to be someone else. So I think it's important in those to one, kind of allow the emotions to come to surface and understand them, work through them a little bit. The acceptance and then understanding what you can and can't control. And then thinking about what actions you can take going forward. So that's kind of my, what I'd suggest around rejection and also it's realized it's not personal yeah i totally agree with that um it's funny you talk about you know things that you can and can't control as well because i think that that has been one of the main underlining themes that it that has helped my self-esteem and confidence because understanding that about 99 percent of the things in this world you can't control is is really humbling because you have to think about you know, what you can control is very minuscule compared to what can actually happen in the world. And I like to use the analogy. I, I used this the other day with uh, uh, a person I was on a call with. I said, think of yourself like a tree. A tree sits, you know, planted. It, has, it grows its roots. It grows its branches. It grows its leaves. But it doesn't worry about the weather. It doesn't worry about the animals around it. It doesn't worry about any of the outside elements around the tree. The tree only does what it needs to do and controls what it can do. That's it. That's all it does. It doesn't, when the wind blows, it sways in the wind. It doesn't try to fight the wind when there's rain or anything like that. It just sits there and takes it. 
Because in life, we're going to weather storms. In life, we're going to go through, you know, windy situations. We're going to go through predators coming around and stealing our acorns, you know. Things are going to happen, and there's only so much we can control. And so I, I like using that analogy when I have somebody who's like, oh, my God, I can't control this and this and this. And it's like, you can't. Like, stop trying to fix it when you can't fix it, when there's nothing you can absolutely do. Because once you, once you relinquish that control of things that you, you can't control, your life gets a lot easier you, because you don't have so much worry. You don't have so much stress. Um, one of my favorite analogies that someone uses about stress and worry is stress and worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. And so <laughs> it, it, a lot of people, they stress and worry about things and then realize that it's actually not doing anything for them. So... Yeah. So I like that. I like I like your uh, your analogies, the tree <laughs> one and the uh, rocking chair. Very good. But a few new phrases today, so that's always good. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so thank you for coming on today. Um, wow, that was a. I, I really love this conversation. It was really good. Um, for all of you listeners, like we always do at the end, we do a little Q and A reflection time. But whenever we do the guest ones, I only have one question for you, and it's. What out of today's episode was most useful for you? Thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you next episode.